we were uh, away last week up in Lac La Viche. Anybody been to Lac La Viche? Oh, some of you have. Uh, myself and uh, Lauren Davis were there. Lauren's the pastor of our Swift Current Church, much like our church. And uh, just, you know, we really felt like it was time uh, for bringing the revival anointing somewhere. The pastor had asked us to come up and... Uh, so we just went up and, and basically preached some of the same things that we've been happening, having happen here. Lots of prayers for people. The pastor and his wife are great. They're hungry for God. Um, and it was neat to see God moving. You know, we're just hearing stories of God doing little things now all over the place. Um, and that's, a, that's exciting. So uh, it was a good weekend. I actually like getting in the truck and driving for four or five hours because you're just by yourself. Just you and Jesus, you get to turn worship music on. And of course, once you get north of Edmonton, I, I don't take the main roads, I take the back roads. And you can just drive, and it's just trees and moose and deer and wolf, and it was great. It was wonderful. Um, I think that's the, the Cree blood coming out in me. I love to get out in nature and just be in nature with nobody around. Um, but that was good. Somebody said, were you on holidays last week? Well, no, it wasn't actually a holiday. <clears throat> it's a funny thing, you know, when you go like that, and, and even though we were dividing up the, the uh, speaking, you're just focused the whole time on, Lord, what do you want? What do you want for my next service? What do you want us to do tonight? Holy Spirit, which way are you going to go? And the good thing about driving like that is you get to pray in tongues a lot. I think I must have, I prayed in tongues for probably four hours on the way up there. And by the time you get there, it's just like, you're ready to go, you know. <clears throat> and we're going to be doing that a little bit more, um, possibly about once a month over the course of the next several months before summertime hits, just to go and uh, speak in other places and try and be a blessing. How many of you enjoyed what Pastor Clive talked about last week? I should have asked you this first. How many of you remember? Because <laughs> I remember a long time ago asking people, so how did you enjoy what I spoke on last week? Everyone smiled. I was like, what was it? <laughs> Don't feel bad. Sometimes I forget what I spoke on last week. But I want to pick up. We've been talking this whole two months. Ever since the beginning of the year, we really felt like God was doing something where he was saying, you need to go back to some of the old things because they're new now. The things that we knew before <clears throat> that God is bringing back, but they're not the same as they were before. Uh, and for that reason, we've been laying hands on people every service, praying for people, releasing the anointing, because God, it's like he's saying, look, you need to do this again. You know, laying on of hands goes all the way back to the very uh, origins of the Bible, and it's, it's the number one way for the anointing to be transferred. One guy said it this way, the law of contact and transmission, that there's something about that. Um, and I was told by an old man of God many years ago when the, the, the fundamental way to make sure that the anointing is transferred is lay hands on people. He said it doesn't have to happen that way. It can happen many other ways. It can happen by the spoken word. It can happen by the presence of the Lord dropping. It can happen by impartation just by being with someone. But, but being able to lay hands on someone, there's something about that that transfers. And uh, so when I was speaking last time, I was talking about Listening to that inward witness. How do I hear, if you remember what I said, that the, uh, the number one way that God leads us is by that witness on the inside. It's not by a spoken voice. It's not by something that comes to your head. The, the Lord is not 
an intellect in the sense that that's how he speaks to us. He speaks to us in our heart. So there's a sensing on the inside that we learn to develop over time. And let me say this. It doesn't matter how long you've walked with God, you still hear him by faith. You still hear, Lord, was that you? And you get to know his patterns. Like I said before, the Bible says that the children of Israel knew his acts, but Moses knew his ways. So when you know somebody's ways and you hear something on the inside, you, you get better at determining whether or not that's the kind of thing that person would say to you. I'll give you a, for instance, my wife, um, we've been married in July, we've been married 40 years. I've never heard my wife once say a swear word in her whole life. I've probably heard her shout two dozen times and it was always when she was praying. Because she's just that's just not part of the way that she is. Well, when you know that, if somebody said to me, you know what, your wife said such and such, and they, they said, like, your wife said a swear word, I'd start laughing because my wife's never sworn in her, I don't think, in her whole life, dear God. <clears throat> so you get to know somebody's ways. It's the same with learning to hear God. We, we learn to hear him, but we always hear by faith. I love that scripture in Jeremiah. It, it set me free where Jeremiah says, and the Lord spoke to me and said, so-and-so is going to come to you and offer you money for a field. And then, and then, yes, you need to take that field and buy it. And then like a chapter later, this guy comes and says to Jeremiah, I would like to buy your field. And Jeremiah says, and then I knew that it was the word of the Lord. I was like, wait a minute, you're the guy that just wrote a chapter ago that the word of the Lord came to you, but now that it actually happened, now you're like, yes, I heard God. I don't know how many times I've done the very same thing, that something will come and I'll just brew on it and let it sit and, okay, Lord, is that you? And, and, then, it, and then it happens and then I was like, yeah, I heard God. <laughs> so it, it's, it's important to know that God always operates in things that require faith from us. And faith is one of the hardest things we, to give God because faith makes you dependent and our whole society trains us not to be dependent. I go to school, I get my degree, I launch out into my career, and I learn what I learn so that I can go places and present myself, and they go, oh, this guy knows what he's talking about, so let's hire him and we'll give him this much. <clears throat> I develop in my sport, I get better and better in my sport, hoping that one day I'll make it to a league that they can pay me enough money because when they run me through the trials, they watch how fast I can run, they see if I can catch the ball or kick the ball or all that, and they determine and they pick me out of these 10 other guys because my skill set proves that I can do it. So everything in our, our society trains us not to be dependent on anybody else. And then we come to the Bible and the Lord says, okay, everything that you and I are going to do happens by faith. In other words, you have to trust me to come through for you when none of your systems work. And we draw back from faith because faith causes us to be vulnerable and we don't like being vulnerable. We like to have it all together. Are you guys awake yet? It's true, isn't it? It's exactly why, and so we draw back from faith because faith makes me dependent on God. I would rather work things through with Jehovah Visa than Jehovah Jireh. 
come on, how many times have you been believing God for something and then it finally it didn't come, so you just went, oh, I'm just going to go over there and just pay for it. Right? <laughs> There's a whole bunch of halos just slipped right there. I'm telling you, that one was obvious. It was like, oh, boy. Because faith takes time and takes effort and doubt grows like weeds. Now, in talking then about hearing that inner voice, and, and, and I'm going to give you some gold this morning. I'm going to give you stuff that we learned uh, the, the years ago and then practiced. And I got to practice it over and over and over and over again until we saw the system work. It still requires faith. But once you know the way to do it, you're never at a loss. I, I remember when I went to Bible school, I came out of first year Bible school and, and I came out with two things. Number one, I knew that I was called to the ministry. I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that I was supposed to do that. I wasn't supposed to take over my dad's construction businesses. I wasn't supposed to go into a career. I wasn't supposed to go and get my ticket as an electrician or a plumber or anything. I knew that I knew that I knew that this was going to be my job. I knew that. There's no question. Therefore, I set my course. That's why I tell young people, go to Bible school for one year. Go for one year. Why? Give God that first year. When you get out of school, give God that year and say, here's my year. What do you want to do with the rest of my life? I figure if you go to Bible school and come out of it at the end of it, knowing, yes, I'm called to go into the ministry or no, I'm not, you've just solved a huge problem in your life. How many times have students come to me in year two or year three of their university and said, I, am, I don't even want to do what I've spent the last year, three years studying. This is not what I want to do. What am I supposed to do now? But the second thing that I came out with, and this was, this just, this was so confidence building. I came out with the awareness that I knew how to find the will of God. Remember what I said, that Barna, when they surveyed years ago, Christians in the same survey, the kind of survey repeated, always brings the first two things. Christians say, I want to know the will of God for my life, and I want to know how to hear God. How do I hear God? Those are always the top two things, because, of course, we want to please our Father, and we want to do what he says. And not only that, in the background of those thoughts is the the thought that one day we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and he's going to ask us, what did you do with the life that I gave you? So, so that, that series of thoughts compels us to say, God, what do you want me to do? Are you following me? So, so when we started to learn this at 21 years of age, when I came out of Bible school, I thought, if I don't know, how, if I don't know the will of God right now, I know how to find it. And of course, in the last uh, 40 years, we've had opportunity to prove that. So I want to give you some of this today. Let, let me give you a couple of the simple things. Remember what Holy Spirit does. There's four things. Teaches us, testifies of Jesus, guides us into all truth, and shows us things to come. Okay? Those are the four areas. If you know that that he wants to do that, then you can begin to believe. Remember this, this little phrase. Faith begins where God's will is known. So if you don't know the will of God, you can't believe. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So until you understand what God's will is, you can't believe something. Well, I can't believe that this is God wants me to have this house or this car or this healing or this wife or this situation fixed until I know this is what his will is. Once I know his will, I have a point at which I can begin to believe. I am now believing. Why? Because I discovered his will. It's at the point of the discovery of his will that faith begins to blossom and grow on the inside. 
Can you see why the Bible says in James that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways? Because a double-minded man doesn't know, well, is the will of God there or is the will of God there? So he never moves. So the Bible says that let not, let not that man think he'll receive anything from God, for he's unstable. In, well, is that God's will or is that God's will? He never enters into faith, and if he never enters into faith, then the promise of the purpose of the will of God doesn't begin to manifest because he's never taken a point of standing. He's never taken the point where faith begins, which is the will of God. So for me, without understanding half of what I just said to you, 40 years ago, I realized I want to do what God wants me to do. I don't want to miss it. I remember Brother Higgins saying something one time that shocked me, and I've said it to you as a congregation, but it, it bears the repetition. He said that in one of the appearances where Jesus appeared to him because he was, he was debating which way to go in his life, and the Lord appeared to him and said, I am doing this, I'm using my own words, but I am doing this as a favor to you because I don't lead my children by visions per se. I lead them by the witness on the inside. But in order to help you, I'm appearing to you like this so that I can tell you what I mean. And he said this, the Lord said to him, many of my ministers, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, live and die and never enter the first phase of my will for their life. I remember sitting there with a thousand other students going, what? That, and I thought this, dear God, if the ministers can't get it, what hope do we as the sheep have to get it? If the guy that's, that's teaching me every Sunday morning doesn't even know if he's in the will of God, how can he ever help me to get into the will of God? If he doesn't know the pathway into the secret place, you can't take somebody where you haven't been. You can't teach somebody about something you don't know. And, and I, I just remember when he, when he said that, many of my ministers live and die, never in the will of God. I remember writing down, find the will of God, find the will of God, find the will of God. Because I realized that, that if I was going to move into my calling, then I better have a good idea of what the will of God was. Something that was helpful was what Paul talks about, that you present your body as a living sacrifice that you might know the good, the well-pleasing, and the perfect will of God. Right there in Romans 12, you find out that there's at least three phases to the will of God in your life. Now at 60-some years of age, I can look back and I can identify the first phase. And I can see when there was an adjustment and then God moved me into some things in the second phase. Are you following me? <clears throat> So he teaches us, testifies, guides us, and shows us things to come. And I said this, according to Romans 8, 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. The number one way we are led by the Holy Spirit is the inward witness. Just that witness, that sense. And I'm going to show you this morning how to, how to develop that. <clears throat> it's an inward sense, a leading, a feeling deep inside that we are the children of God. Now, go with me again to Acts chapter 16. Let's look at this in Paul's life and then bring it down to, uh, to where we live. Acts chapter 16. Here's Paul who's doing something that's never been done before. He's the first New Testament missionary in that sense where he knows go into all the world and preach the gospel and Paul is taking this out 
and he, he basically developed the pattern of modern missions in the New Testament. To go someplace and start telling people about Jesus as people get saved, you start a church. You start a church, you turn that church over to somebody that you've trained up and you keep on going <clears throat> and spread. And of course, Paul did it very successfully. Acts chapter 16, verse 6. Now, when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they'd come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. Remember that what they're calling Asia here was the Roman province called Asia, which is now the country of Turkey. Okay, so they weren't going to, you know, Thailand. <clears throat> and Holy Spirit here twice witnessed to them, no. How did they get that? Well, they're praying. They're, Lord, where do you want us to go? Where are we? Well, we're here on the map. Well, what if we just, what if we went up this way? And when they would consider, what if we go this way? They got a no from the Holy Spirit. Now, you got to remember something. This is after years of walking with the Lord. I, I, I know this, and, and I, can't, I can't go this way much today, but oftentimes when there's a decision before you, you look at, at the decision that's there, and as you, as you ponder it, as you spend time, and this is where you have to clear out your emotions and your desires. This is where you have to clear out, well, they're going to offer me this much more money. Or we're gonna make we're gonna do a better job there. We can start a business there. We're gonna, we're gonna, this is a great career move for me. You have to clear all of that out because your spirit will give you a something right about this. It doesn't make any sense. Or it'll give you a there's something wrong about this. There's something, and you don't even know what it is. Remember where Jesus said that um, those who are born of the spirit are like the wind? You don't know where it comes from and you don't know where it goes. All you see is its effect. It's almost, that's almost the way to describe the way of the Spirit because you don't know why or where or how this doesn't feel right. It just doesn't feel right. Where did it come from? I don't know. It's just there. Like I've said so many times, it'd be like having a, a, a shower with long underwear on. Everything's getting wet, but it just does not feel right. It just, you know, it's just not the right thing to do. I know, it's a poor illustration, but nobody wants to shower with their long underwear on. Okay, now look down to, to Acts chapter 19. And of course, you heard this last week. This is when Paul comes to Ephesus. Acts chapter 19, verse 10. Paul comes to Ephesus, speaks in the synagogue, and then in the school of Turinus. And look at verse 10. And this continued for two years so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus both Jews and Greeks. There's three years. If you study the history, there's three years between chapter 16 and chapter 19. So Holy Spirit was doing something in Ephesus to get them ready for the gospel that Paul was going to bring, but Paul had to wait three years. You know, one of my experiences, one of my, my things that I've realized over the years is that the Holy Spirit typically takes much longer than we want him to, to lead us clearly. Let me say that another way. We don't wait patiently enough to get his leading. I just determined years and years and years ago, I wait and wait and wait and wait. Sometimes I wait too long. My, if I make a mistake, it's I wait too long to hear God. 
because I would rather be behind, be behind God and him pull my chain a little bit than be out in front of God. I'm talking about making a decision that turns out whether it's the right or wrong. Because when you're out in front of God, you move into a place where the enemy can, you're exposed and the enemy can do things to you and shoot at you that wouldn't happen if you were still behind him. Just, just, just be, be cognizant of the fact that he usually requires more patience of us than what we want. And that's why the scripture says those who through faith and patience receive the promises. But you have need of patience so that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Why are those things tied together? Because God knows that faith waits. And he also knows that our mind and our intellects jumps in according to what we think is the best decision at this point. Well, this makes sense. It's a good place to go. It's good for the kids. They've got a good school. I've got a good job. I mean, why wouldn't I go? Right? So we figure it out. And that's why um, James dealt with that and said, you know, beware about saying, let us move to such and such a place and start a business and make money. He said, because you're not even checking with the will of God. Beware, be careful of that. Why? Because our tendency is to pull back on what we know. My gifts, my strength, my anointing, my calling, my schooling, whatever. <clears throat> so because Paul listened to that inner witness, the gospel says that all who dwelt in what is now Turkey heard the word of the Lord. Yeah. My goodness, can you imagine? That's like, Turkey's like the size of Alberta. All who dwelt in Alberta, because of one guy's obedience, he waited three years, and when he did, the gospel spread like wildfire. What if he'd have gone in there and done it three years earlier? He would have met with some form of resistance. It would have got a bad name, and instead of it being three years, it would be 20 years later that he could go back in and do it again because the other generation would have had to die off. How many people do you know that got hurt in church <clears throat> left church, and it's taken decades for them to come back because of their first uh, opinion of church of what happened. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Pastor Clive preached on the power of this time in Ephesus and how the people gave up the things that the Holy Spirit showed them that hindered them from receiving him and walking with him. It's interesting, we were talking about it this week, it, it's been of some concern to me that many Christians have things that they attach spirituality to. Amulets, lucky charms. Last year, somebody gave me a little coin with a saint on it. For some, you know, this, this was my, and I didn't know what it was, so I looked online, and it was, it was that this particular saint was for some special kind of a blessing. And I thought, I don't need, I don't need to carry something around that, it, that I attach spirituality to. I attach spirituality to this. This is why I carry this around. I was uh, in a place <clears throat> some time ago, and there was a guy wearing a cross, big, you know, wood cross, this big, right? <clears throat> he was younger, so was I. And uh, I forget where, I think it was at a ski resort. And uh, they were sitting at the table beside me, him and his friends, and I looked over. He's got this big cross, and I said... Uh, Hey, nice cross. He said, thanks. I said, does it mean anything to you? And I didn't say it flippantly, but I just said, does it mean anything to you? And he kind of looked at me and, well, I said, I said, if it doesn't, give it to me. I said, it means a lot to me. 
Oh, mm, yeah, no, that's good. I'll keep it. And the conversation went on. But I see people wearing crosses, and I think, what are you wearing it for? Does it mean something to you? And if it means something to you, good. If it's a conversation piece, good. But be careful to attach spirituality to something. I know Christians that have their lucky rabbit's foot. Well, the rabbit wasn't so lucky, was he? Do you dabble in things like reading your horoscope? I don't believe it's a coincidence that it's called a horror scope. When you go to the circus, do you have your fortune read by Madame Zorba? (laughs) Don't do that. As soon as you attach spirituality to any other thing, you open that suspicion door. You open that little, I wonder, I wonder what she would say. I mean, you know, pfft, it doesn't mean anything. Here, read my palm. Why are you doing that? Right there, you've got to ask yourself, why are you doing that? Well, because we were all doing it. It was kind of fun, you know. And I just thought, wait a minute. The moment you do that, you, you crack the door for them to tell you something that's like, and if she's a real witch and a familiar spirit speaks, then you're going to listen to a familiar spirit. And you're going to go, whoa. Right? Come on, don't look at me in that holy tone of voice. It's, just, it's exactly the same. You spoke last week about wind catchers. Why do you do that? Why do you, take, why do you take the ashes from a dead person and sprinkle them around your land? Don't do that. That's, that, that is so unscriptural. We had to go and cleanse land where somebody had taken the ashes and sprinkled them because the people started to have bad dreams as soon as they did that. Why? Because you just defiled the land with human ashes. The Bible doesn't say to do that. The Bible never said to burn them. The Bible says bury them. And I know we do cremation and all that, and thank God, God's merciful, and, you know, uh, I won't even start there. But as soon as you take those ashes and you sprinkle them, you are t- attaching spiritual meaning, something sacred, something meaningful. Well, he would want to be on this land. He's not there anymore. Those are dead, burnt cells. But you've attached spirituality to them by sprinkling over them, them over the land, thinking there's some kind of a mystical, spooky, neat thing that sort of happened for somebody, even though he's dead, but, you know, we did it out of respect. No, you just, you just defiled the land. And you've got to go cleanse that land now because you defiled it with the ashes of a human being, which is so unscriptural. I know you guys. I could give you story after story of of doing this. We attach spirituality to things that we shouldn't, and in doing so, when you attach spirituality to it, the spirit realm attaches spirituality to it. (laughs) With all these things, because we're Christians, we attach a Christian flavor to it, but really... It's just superstition. Hmm. Okay, let's move on. The reason I brought that up, because all those things will make it very difficult for you to walk with Holy Spirit. Because you're putting out little tentacles in other places. You're putting out little feelers. Uh, yes, this story's come up three times. I've got to tell it to you. I was at a youth conference. It was a large youth conference. I wasn't the speaker. I was just one of the youth pastors. And they, the speaker called up the youth pastors and called up guys to get filled with the Holy Spirit. And it was in Penticton at the Penticton Convention Center. It was the the, uh, PAOC Youth Convention. There was 2,000 kids there. I don't know, probably 150 kids came up. Well, I mean, I love getting people filled with the Holy Ghost, right? I just, 
that was such a transformative experience for me. I'm going down the line, and these kids are, you know, praying. I come to this one kid, and he's just really struggling. And so I, I shared a little bit with him. I didn't know then what I know now. Uh, but I, I said, I'm going to lay my hands on you when I do. I'm going to pray in tongues, and you pray in tongues. And so I laid hands on him, and I'm praying in tongues, and he's going... <sighs> and you could see that he wanted it, and you could see that he was trying. And I... I I could see that, and, I, and so I stopped. I said, on the inside, I said, Lord, what's going on? And I felt like what I felt was ask him what he's been involved in. And so I just asked him. I said, have you ever played with a Ouija board? Nope. Have you ever done this? Nope. Have you ever done this? Nope. Um, and I think it came down to what I, I just told you. He, uh, I said, do you read your horoscope? He says, yeah, every once in a while. I said, okay, well, let's, let's repent for that and shut the door on that just because that can, that can open the door where you're seeking something else other than Holy Spirit to lead you. He's very jealous, you guys. He doesn't want you led by anything but him. And so, and so he said, okay. He said, I said, I'll lead you in the prayer. Dear Jesus, please forgive me uh, for, for dabbling in the horoscope. I ask you to forgive me now. I put the blood of Jesus on that, and I shut that door right now. And I said, now speak. Boom, it just came out just like that. I went, ah, soul. <laughs> Revelation, why? Because he had the door open just a little bit and the devil had a foot in there and he couldn't speak. And I've, I, I have lost count over the last 40 years of the people that I've prayed for that are dabbling in something else and when they try and receive Holy Spirit, it's one thing to be, to be born again. I remember we found this out with the Masonic. There was a guy whose dad was the head mason in the Bahamas who came to this church for a while. And um, he got saved and he got spirit-filled here. But before he got spirit-filled, <clears throat> same kind of a thing happened where he had to repent from something. And he came up to me a couple months later and he said, this is very interesting. He said, because my dad has been the head honcho for the Freemasons and he's a born-again Christian. He's given his heart to Jesus. He believes in Jesus. But he's added this whole other spectrum of beliefs, superstitions. And if you've gone through our Freemasonic course, there's a whole bunch of... But he said this. He said, my dad doesn't believe in the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. He asked for it, and he never got it. And as we talked, I realized something, and I've since seen it over the years, that, that for people who are involved in other things that bring superstition in, and they attach their... Well, I, I, you know, I mean, it's a little thing, but I carry this little lucky saints thing in my pocket. When you start to do that, when you start to attach something there, you create something that makes it difficult for the Holy Spirit to come. And I've met other people who were, were Masons and weren't, you know, super high degrees, but they loved Jesus. They went to church. They prayed. They were Christians. But there was a drawing line from being Christian, being born again, to moving into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And something about the superstitious things that we do draws that line that makes it difficult for Holy Spirit to come and fill us. And so for some of you, I know many of you came up last week and got prayed for and, and so forth. But for some of you, you, you if, that's, if you've had trouble speaking in tongues, if you've had trouble receiving the baptism, I urge you to check that in your life and say, okay, is there something where I've left a door open? You don't have to just dig out all the garbage. But what you do need to do is go and check down on the inside and say, Lord, was there, was there something? There's, there's one other thing. If there's been witchcraft in your family, if your aunt was like a palm reader 
or had a gift of clairvoyance or one of those kinds of things. Oftentimes that will bleed something into the family that makes it difficult for other members of the family to receive Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. And all of it, thank God, is cleansed by Lord in the name of Jesus. I ask your forgiveness for that on her behalf and on my behalf. I put the blood of Jesus against it and I shut the door on that now and give it no more place in my life. It's as simple as doing that if you mean it And if there's more things there that need to be dealt with, then the Holy Spirit will immediately begin to deal with those things and begin to show you what they are so that he can move in. He wants to move in more than anything else. Am I making sense this morning? Now, go with me to Matthew chapter 16. We'll talk about Peter here. I I called this message walking with Holy Spirit. How do I walk with Holy Spirit day by day? Matthew 16, verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Verse 14. They said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. In other words, you're the anointed one, you're the Messiah, you're the one who the Old Testament scriptures come, the Torah speaks of, is to come. Jesus answered, verse 17, said to him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Well, who revealed it? The Holy Spirit revealed it, right? The Father used the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who's working here on the earth. Remember, we talked about that. Jesus entered into his rest and is seated at the right hand of the Father, sent the Holy Spirit. So it was Holy Spirit, even at this point, that was speaking to Peter's heart and, and, and to his spirit and convincing him. Verse 18, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in <clears throat> heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. From that time forth, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders, chief priests, and scribes, be killed, and raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Peter, shut up. It would have been nice if he said that, wouldn't it? Look what he said. Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling stone to me. That's what the word offense there means. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Now, what I want to bring out of this here is that Peter was learning to hear the witness of his spirit man, but he couldn't distinguish the difference in what he heard. He didn't know the source of what he heard, but he heard it. Thank God. Thank God at least he was spiritually sensitive enough. Do you remember when Jesus said, Father, glorify your name? John, I forget what chapter, John 10, I think. And, and the, the voice came from heaven and said, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. And the Bible says this, that some people said it thundered. And another people said an angel spoke to him. But Jesus said, this voice. Right there you see three levels of hearing. The first group was like, what was that? That was thunder. In other words, that's all they heard. They, God's voice spoke, and they heard thunder. Think about that for a minute. How many times has God spoken to us, 
And we thought, well, that, that wasn't, no, that's not the right way to say that. The right way to say it is this, that God could speak and our hearing is so dull that we just think it's thunder. Well, if you're at thunder level, then don't try and hear every whisper that comes from the throne of God because you'll miss it. And as I'll show in a couple of minutes, that's where you've got to go back to the word. You've got to go back. The number one way we are led is the word of God before the inward witness. The number one way is what that book says. What does the book say about my situation? For the Christian, the first thought is always, what does the Bible say about my situation? When you develop that mentality, what does the Bible say about my situation? When your first thought is, what does the Bible say? Where can I find scripture on this? You are on the way to moving past thunder to, I think it was an angel. But Jesus knew it wasn't thunder or an angel. He knew it was the voice of the Father, right? The Father spoke from heaven. Well, that's what we all want to move to. We want to move. I would rather know the voice of the Father than the voice of an angel. Now, if all I'm capable of hearing right now is the angel, that's good. I'll go with angels. But I found something out years ago that the Holy Spirit sounds different than Jesus. And I still have to believe when I'm hearing, okay, Lord. What's that? But, but one of the ways you can tell is that the witness, when, when your spirit speaks to you, when your spirit witnesses, there's a sensing. When the Holy Spirit witnesses with you, it's the same thing, but it carries more weight. It's stronger. It's, it's whoa, yeah, whoa, okay. It comes with a, uh, that's okay, we can do that. And I don't know any other way to explain that because it's still your spirit and Holy Spirit working together. I digress. So Peter was learning to hear from his spirit man, but couldn't determine or distinguish the difference in what he heard. He didn't know the source. So Jesus is rebuking the voice of Satan that Peter's giving place to. Isn't he? Get behind me, Satan. He didn't speak to Peter. He said Satan. What was he saying? He was saying, Peter. You just said the wrong thing because you heard the wrong voice. Now, you got to stop for a minute and break that down. How did Peter move from thou art the Christ, the son of the living God? Lord, this will never happen to you. How did he move? How did he move so quickly? (laughs) Well, you got to stop and think, what was the common belief at the time? The common belief was that when Messiah came, Messiah was going to become their king, Messiah ben David, the ruler with the rod of iron, and he was going to kick the Romans' butt and make Israel the glory of all the earth. That's what the prophets said, right? In Isaiah, in Jeremiah, in the 8th century prophets, Isaiah talked about the millennium where when the king comes to reign, the lion shall lie down with the lamb. So they're expecting Messiah ben David because Messiah ben Joseph, the Messiah who was the suffering servant, who was the lamb, the sacrificial lamb, was hidden. It was hidden so the enemy wouldn't know it. So Peter's belief was, well, you're the one, so they can't kill you. Because that's not what the Bible says about you. You're the Messiah. You're the Christ. So you, you can't die. What are you talking about? You having a bad day, Jesus? Like, where'd this come from? Right? Can you see that? So Peter's preset belief, the devil just jumped on that. He not only had a belief structure, but now he's attached to this guy. And he's thinking, I don't want you to die. 
You die, what's all the time that we've spent here? All this effort we've put into following you and all these miracles and everything. You mean all that's for you to die? Well, that doesn't make any sense because in Peter's mind, death was the end. In Jesus' mind, death was the purpose. Right? So Peter's preset beliefs allowed him to hear the voice of the devil and not know what it was. Do your preset beliefs condition you to only hear what you want rather than what God says? <laughs> this is good stuff, you guys. I'm just telling you, this right here is what we built our heart and our ministry on over the last 40 years. Because of that desire to walk in the will of God. Do you get it right all the time? No. But generally, we got the big ones right. A major move, a major career change, a major shift in something in our family. I look back and I think, we got those ones right. You know why? Because I waited long enough. I waited long enough. And here's a key. Are you willing to lose what you so desire if God's purpose is that? Are you willing to lose that job with the better pay, with a car that comes with it, and a, and a greater position of esteem and authority in the company. Are you willing to lose that if it's God's will? Every single one of us goes, oh yes, prove it. Wait long enough to let it go. We make so many mistakes by moving prematurely. Now, I'm going to say something here about me, myself and my colleagues. The number one mistake that I've seen in ministers taking a place, taking the, the will of God, taking another church, moving their family to another thing, is they don't wait long enough to pray it through. They take it because of all the options that come along with it. The number one mistake that I've seen in my career with my colleagues is they don't wait long enough to hear God. They move ahead on what looks good because it's good for their career. I'll tell you this, flat out. At some point when you're following God, he will do something that trashes your career. He will absolutely take you the other way because up is always down with God. For him to move you to the next level, he will always take you to something that looks like it's a place of going down more than going up. It's, he just always to humble yourself in the sight of God that he may exalt you in due time. He does it over and over and over and over again. But the neat thing is, when you learn that and you go, oh, this is going to totally wreck my reputation. Well, hallelujah. On the other side of it, what would have taken you 15 years to get, God will do in five because you've humbled and said, I'll do whatever you want. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. I don't care what they pay me. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what the people think. I don't care any of those other things. I'll do what you want me to do. Once you've actually got that and you prove it to him, then he'll do things with you that you just look at and you go, what the heck am I doing here? Oh God, how'd I get here? I know, because it's happened to me. We've been on global stages doing things that I was like, God, I have no idea what to do here. What am I doing here? Do what I told you to do. Do what I showed you. Now, how do I create the capacity within myself 
to hear Holy Spirit and follow him. And I've hit you on this one again and again, that the word is the will. If you can find it in the word, and I've got to say something, I've got to add a part to this. If it says it in the word, it's yours, right? We got that. But remember that the word is a declaration of what God wants, not a guarantee of his action. So the word says what God wants, but it's not until I appropriate that and start to believe, I believe what this says right here, that you desire for me and my family to serve the Lord. I believe this now. I choose now to believe as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I begin believing this now. As you begin to believe that word begins to work on your behalf because faith is the hand that receives from God. Now, we make the mistake of thinking, well, when I believe, it's all gonna come in six months. No, it's not. Because you're gonna move from thunder to an angel to finally hearing the voice. It takes time for that sensitivity in us to develop in something like hearing the voice of God. It's the same with the other promises. When you find out Philippians 4.19, my God supplies all my need according to his riches and glory. When you start believing that, it's going to take time because your faith lays hold of the promise and your faith begins to grow. And as your faith begins to grow, it begins to receive more little by little. Have you noticed that this stuff doesn't happen overnight? So you can find it in the book. You can begin to pray it, believe it, declare it. Now, how about this one? What if you can't find it in the book? What if it's something you just can't open up and read? Again, what if it's moving to another place? Let's say you've got a job offer in Chilliwack. You can't flip the Bible open. It says, therefore, thus says the Lord, movest thou to Chilliwack. (laughs) Right? It's not in there. Now, if you don't catch anything today, you've got to catch this next several minutes here. Because this is, this is the part that I, how do I create within myself the capacity to hear how he's leading me now? He hasn't left us. Well, yeah, if it doesn't say it in the Bible, just, you know, shoot, just give it your best shot and, and, and you know, we'll see what happens when you get to heaven. It has to be better than that. It has to be, we have a better covenant on better promises. There has to be a better way. So if faith begins where the will of God, some of you need to turn your phones on right now. If you're in a place where you're, you're like, I need to know the will of God, turn the recorder on on your phone right now so that you've got this part right here because this part will help you. Like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you what we've used as gold for years and years. If faith begins where the will of God is known, Number one, I have to know if he wants to lead me. And number two, I have to find out what he said he'd do to lead me. Remember, faith begins where the will of God is known. So I can't start to believe until I know his will. Are you following me? Right? Faith begins where God's will is known. Faith is the hand that receives from God. So in order for me to get in faith about him leading me, I need to know what he said he would do to lead me. So I can't just pray the prayer, God, I thank you for the job in Chilliwack, you know, because you're good and Chilliwack's a nice place and they don't get near as much snow as we get here, so it must be the will of God. So I'm going to move there. 
It, you, you, you can't just throw that prayer up and say, Lord, if this isn't you, tell me. If all you hear is thunder, how are you going to hear the voice? Do you follow my illustration? So faith begins where the will of God is known. I have to know what he said he would do to lead me. So what am I doing? Well, let's take a simple one. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He'll direct your paths. Oh my goodness, that is like gold straight up. So because I don't know whether or not I'm supposed to pray and say, God, take me to Chilliwack, I back up to the place where my faith can lay hold of something that he said he'd do to lead me. So what I now do is, Lord, I trust you with all my heart. I lean not on my own understanding. In this way, right now, what I'm doing, this, this, this potential move to Chilliwack. In this way, I acknowledge you. And the word acknowledge is a weak word there. For us to acknowledge, it's like walking in and you see somebody at church, yo, Bob, yo, Frank, and you keep on walking. The, the, the word means to know. It means to, to under, but, but for, for the sake of what we're talking about here, let's make it simple. It means to recognize and lean into. In all your ways, recognize and lean into him. So I would pray, Lord, I trust you right now with all my heart. I don't lean on my understanding. Doesn't mean you don't use it, but you don't lean on it. I lean not to my own understanding. In this decision that I have to make right now, I acknowledge you and I believe you direct my paths. Can you see what just happened right there? Right, and, and what's interesting, look up here for a sec. It says, lean not on your own understanding. Well, this is my understanding. Am I putting my weight on my understanding that if somebody pulls that thing out, I go down because I'm leaning on my degree. I'm leaning on the really good resume that I sent them. I'm leaning on, well, you know, it looks like a good career move. All those things are good. All those things are fine. But the Bible says, don't put your weight on those things. If I'm not leaning on my understanding, what am I leaning on? I'm leaning on you leading me. And I thank you that you're leading me. Let me give you a couple of other examples and I'll share a story and, and illustrate this. How about this one? John 10 verse five. His own sheep follow him for they know his voice and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. So what do you do? Lord, am I, are you leading me to go there? I don't know that. So what I do lean on right now, I thank you, Lord, that I know your voice, that I won't follow any other voice, not even my own voice. Holy Spirit, I want to thank you that you're leading me, that if I'm supposed to move to Chilliwack, I don't follow another voice and I don't follow my own voice that says, oh, it's a good place to go. They got a good salary. It's got a good uh, retirement plan. Your family likes it there. I don't lean on those things. I don't trust that voice. I don't trust the voice of my desires. I trust the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I put my faith right now in what you said. I'm one of your sheep. I follow you and I know your voice. That's where you anchor your faith. I'm a sheep. I know your voice. I follow you. Your faith will grab a hold of that statement right there. I thank you. I know your voice. I don't follow another voice. 
And you start praying it, you start declaring it, you start believing it. As you start praying and declaring and believing, because you've anchored your faith on what you know is God's will, it begins to grow on the inside. The awareness of his will begins to grow on the inside. One more scripture. Psalm 32, 8. And you can go to timesofrefreshing.com. Click on resources, click on guidance scriptures, and 35 years ago, I put together about 20 of the 25 of the, of the key scriptures in the Bible where God said, here's how I'll guide you. I put them together for my own benefit. I never knew that I would be giving them out. <clears throat> I love the one scripture that says, you'll hear a voice behind you when you turn to the right hand or turn to the left that says, this is the way walking in it. That's one of the ones that I've prayed thousands and thousands of times. Psalm 32, 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Woo, what a place to, and so faith grabs a hold of that and faith says, Lord, I want to thank you right now that you're instructing me and you're teaching me in the way that I should go and you're guiding me with your eye. I am so glad right now that you're instructing me. Oh, Father, it's so good to be guided by your eye. It's so good to be taught in the way that I should go. What have I just done? I've anchored my faith on what he said he'd do to lead me. And when you do that, the leading, the capacity to become aware of that leading increases on the inside because the word begins to become flesh on the inside of you and make itself manifest. All we're doing is giving place for the word to become fruitful and manifest. As you meditate on what he said he would do about leading you, listen to me, faith in his leading will come unconsciously as the word grows in your spirit. I wish I could slow that down and break it down about 50 times. The capacity to hear Holy Spirit grows on the inside. You remember my story about being offered the position in the large church here in Calgary. Remember I told that last time? And the, and the, the church blew apart. We, we, we took another position that was the least, the least intelligent career move. But because of the financial mismanagement in that church misappropriation of funds, the church blew apart, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so let me illustrate how, again, how this works. So we went to this little church in BC for four years. I knew in my heart before we went there that, that it was temporary. There was a sense of temporariness. I didn't, I didn't know how long. I just knew that we won't be locked into that. And it was clear, but I had no sense of time. Like how temporary, okay, great. But what does that mean? Two years or 10? Right? I just knew it wasn't an end of career or end of calling type of, of a thing that I was going into, even though that's all I knew. Two years into being in that church, I was walking across the foyer, about two and a half years in, and as I'm walking across the foyer, my office was on one side, and then the foyer, and then the, the reception in the pastor's office, small church, 150. And I'm walking across the foyer, and it was almost like suddenly... Something untied inside of me, and I stopped and I went, I'm loosed from this church. It was the funniest thing in the world. In the sense that I just could feel, I thought, oh, huh, okay, well, Lord, whatever. I just carried on. I never said a word to anybody. I didn't do anything about it because when you pick things up in the spirit, we interpret that as right now and we make the changes now and we miss it because we get us something from heaven, but it has to be birthed on the inside. 
When, when you first find out you're pregnant, ladies, you don't run over to the, to the delivery room and go, I've got a baby. Bring the thing out. No, why? Because it'll die. It's not ready. It's got to sit in there for a while. And most Christians are really lousy at gestation. Because we won't let the vision sit in there long enough to where it bears fruit. So I said to the Lord, oh, okay, wow. Well, how does that work? It was in my heart. It was just a sense. I had no frame of reference for it. It was two years later that I left there. Two years later. But let me show you what happened. Shortly after that, I was offered a position in a larger church in Vancouver because my pastor's pastor had seen, you know, what had happened with the youth group and seen we were, we were worship leading as well. And so he saw something there. And so he said, you know, would Craig consider coming down and working with us here? Which was very interesting because remember what I said before when I got offered the position in the big church? There were three offers at the same time. Something undid over me at that time. And all of a sudden there was an availability to move ahead in God, but I had to wait. Remember I told you that, Remember? Same thing happens here. I felt loose from this thing. And within just a couple of months, an offer comes from another church. And my pastor said this to me. He said, you know what? He's a good pastor. They got a good church. It's right down there in Vancouver. He said, this is a good career move. As he's telling me, I'm listening on the inside and I'm not getting anything at all. Like there's just, it's just like, you know, long underwear in the shower. And I, it was, and I was, which was funny but he said, you know, it'd be a good career move. And I thought, well, if it's not Holy Ghost, it's not going to be a good career move. Anyway, so he said, will you pray about it? I said, sure, I'll pray about it. So I prayed about it for the next week or so. There was nothing there. There was no, heaven didn't even answer the phone. I mean, it was just like, you know, why are you asking me this? 18 months later, the pastor called me into his office. 18 months after the witness of walking across the foyer, 18 months, he called me in. He said, uh, you need to know something. He said, I've been asked to take another church in the lower mainland, um, and it's a bit of a problem church, and this pastor liked that. That was sort of his thing, and he said it, and I've prayed over it, talked to my wife for the last month or so, and we feel it's a move of God, so we're going to be taking, we're going to be leaving this church in such and such, May, I think it was. And he said, so you need to be prepared to find another position because in that particular denomination, when the pastor leaves, the pastoral staff leaves, so the new pastor can come in and build the staff the way that he wants. And I won't go into whether that is good or bad. I just, that was just the way it was. So now listen, now I knew I got six months. I got six months and I don't have a choice anymore. I'm out of here. So the very first thing I did, I pulled out those guidance scriptures. And I started to pray them every day, every day, every day, every day. Why? Because I'm out now. Where am I going to, I've got two little kids now. I've got, you know, payments now that I never had before. And all of a sudden, the pressure is there that I need to get another job somewhere. Let me, let me, <laughs> let me dig this in a little bit. Probably, probably four months into that, a guy calls me from Saskatchewan and says, uh, we heard you might be available. It was the old group that I used to be with in Word Faith Circles. So we heard you might be available. Would you consider coming out to such and such in church in Prince Albert? So I went out to Prince Albert for a weekend. Pastor let me go because, you know, he knows that I need to find a place where, where I've got. I went out to this place. They said, we don't, we don't have a job for you at this time, but we have a need. We need, we need a youth pastor, and, and, and we heard you can do that, and you can lead worship. And I said, 
Yep, okay. And they bought this beautiful set of drums. And when we got there, there was nobody on the drums. And I said to the pastor, I said, where's your drummer today? He said, we don't have a drummer. We just bought the drums by faith. Well, I'm a drummer. So I'm like, okay. You know, it's kind of one of those little things that goes, click, well. So anyways, I said to the worship leader, I said, uh, pastors, you know, I'm just here checking out the church and finding out about it. And uh, do you guys need a drummer? He goes, can you play? I said, yep. He goes, sure. So I jumped on the drums. And of course, when you don't have drums, and then all of a sudden you have drums, because the drums are the backbone of the whole worship team, right? They're the bones. They're the bones that holds everything else. And you don't see them per se. You hear all the nice notes from the guitar and the, and the piano and all that. But really, the drums is what just makes it all happen in the background. And so halfway through, listen to me, halfway through, we were switching from the praise to the worship, you know, and the guys were moving there. And the guitar player leans over to me and he goes, I can feel God calling you here. And I didn't say anything, but on the inside, I said, no, you can't. I said, I don't care what you feel. It's what I feel that counts. But of course, you feel God calling me here because we pull this all together on the drums. That's why God, the will of God is for me to be here. And I, I prayed over it. I was willing to go. I was willing to go out there and get a job because a man's gift makes room for him, right? So I was willing to go out there, get a job, and work my way into where they could finally pay me into that position. I was, I was willing to do that. I got home. And I said, okay, Lord, I need to know this. So let me insert another little part here. I started praying in tongues. And I did what I've told you before. I prayed in tongues that week every day. I got home on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Prayed in tongues. On the fifth day, and my prayer was one thing. God, you got to show me. Am I like, do I go there or do I not go there? On Saturday, either Friday morning or Saturday morning, in the middle of praying in tongues, I started praying in tongues. Lord, about Prince Albert, 20 minutes in, it was like somebody dropped a coin in the machine. I knew that 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 I knew. It wasn't thunder. It wasn't angels. It was, the, it was a, a, a boom. I thought, no, not supposed to go. No, no question. How'd you know? I just knew. There was, there was no rationale. Everything up here was just, don't have a clue. Right here, it was like, not the will of God. And I stopped. I'm praying in tongues. And I stopped. I'm walking back and forth. And I it went, no. And I went, oh. I still remember. And I said, well, I'm not supposed to go there. What do I do now? And the Holy Spirit spoke to me almost out loud. said, phone George Hill. I said, who's George Hill? <laughs> Literally. So I said, I said, who's George Hill? And then I started thinking, oh, that's that guy that my cousin knows with that victory thing there in, in, in Lethbridge, out of Lethbridge. So I went downstairs and looked up victory churches in Calgary. But back then, you got a real operator when you pressed 411. And she said, what do you need? I said, victory church in Calgary. She said, there's two. She said, victory Anglican. I said, I don't think that's it. She said, there's a victory Christian center. Yeah, I said, that's probably it. Now, you got to remember, this is five minutes after I just heard, don't go to Prince Albert. Now, all of a sudden, it hits me. She's putting me through, and I'm thinking, what am I going to say to George Hill? <laughs> like, I have no idea, and I'm on the phone, and I'm like. And so, the secretary puts me through, and Pastor George answers. If you know Pastor George, he's like, hello. I said, hi. Uh, 
You don't know me, but you know someone that I know. Oh, gee, that sounds so stupid. Right? Because the, the voice said, phone George Hill. And I said, I'm just calling you for some advice. I mean, I'm fumbling for words, right? I'm just about to leave a ministry position here, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he basically said, well, that's nice. If you come to Calgary, give me a call. I'm still stuck with, okay, God, where do I go? But listen to me. I've been praying the guidance scriptures for six months. I've been praying the guidance scriptures all this time. I hung up the phone. And here's the neat thing. And I hope this doesn't offend you. You can get to the place where you pray the will, the purpose and the will of God so much so that you absolutely refuse to miss God. Your faith, listen, 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 listen. Your faith can get to the place in what we're talking about right now that when you built that into your spirit, you just think, I refuse. I refuse to miss God. I absolutely will not miss God. I won't. Why? Because inside here, something goes, we're going to get this right. Your spirit can know what your head can never grasp. So we moved to Calgary because my mom had a garage where we could store our stuff. And I literally pulled out of Merritt, B.C. to the highway, and I said, God, do we turn right and go down to Vancouver and rent a place, or do we turn left and go to Calgary? I was so confident that I would follow God that I was willing to pull up to that road with my family and a U-Haul trailer behind our little car and turn right and go rent a place in Vancouver to see what God's going to do or go to Calgary. We went to Calgary because we had a garage to store our stuff. I went and snuck into the Victory Church to check it out. Didn't tell anybody who we were. Went there for two weeks just to go and see what it was like, what's the anointing like and all that sort of thing. And uh, uh, after that, I went and talked to Pastor George, you know, and just said, hey, I'm here. He goes, oh, great, come on in, yeah, enjoy the church, which I would do the same thing. Oh, it's good, come and sit in. It was four months later in September when I, I, I sold cars for four months. Oh. You're driving in a car with somebody, you know, a used car. And the guy goes, so, uh, what's your career? Well, I'm a pastor. <laughs> From pastor to used car salesman. It's kind of a, some people think there's a connection there. <laughs> but I went and saw Pastor George that day. Why don't you stand up? I went and saw Pastor George, and I, I, I said, I've had enough of selling cars. I said, this is not what I'm supposed to do. It's barely paid the bills. So I said, I'm coming, I'm, I'm talking to you because if you have a place for me, then we need to talk about it right now. And if you don't have a place for me, then I'm gonna go get another job doing something that I can do. All the time, I'm still praying. I hear the voice of the Lord and I don't follow another voice. In the midst of that three and four months of God, what am I supposed to do? How come I'm selling cars? God will, will test you on this, but if your faith is anchored... My God speaks to me, I hear his voice, and I don't follow another one. If you stand on that, you'll develop something on the inside, and every time you make a major decision for the rest of your life, you'll, in, you'll engage the same process, and you'll get the same results time after time after time. My sheep know my voice, and the voice of a stranger they won't follow. I'm telling you, you guys, I've worked this for almost 40 years, and it's just amazing for me to watch. 
Let's pray. Lord, I thank you this morning. I thank you for the word and the spirit of understanding that's here as we talk about this this morning. I ask your blessing and your grace upon the congregation this morning. Holy Spirit, would you bring back to us as we make decisions? We always want to follow you. We don't want to go another direction, and we don't just want to do it because it's a good thing to do. We want to do what you tell us to do. And my prayer is this morning that we would take that which has been brought forth this morning and begin to dig into it, to get those guidance scriptures and to start to pray them that we might hear you, that we might follow you, and that might we might be pleasing in your will, hearing your voice. I pray that over us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Remember, we've got prayers here this morning, so if you need prayer for something this morning, come on up, and our prayers will pray for you. God bless you. Have a tremendous week. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us online today. I hope the message encouraged and blessed you. You know, you can stay up to date with all things Southside by following us on social media, downloading our app, or checking out our website at svcf.ca. You can also get to know more about my wife and I by following Times of Refreshing on Facebook and Instagram. And thanks, everyone, for joining us today and building a community of believers together. Have a great week, and you know what? When you get a chance, come and join us here at the church in Calgary. You'll be blessed by it.